So some of us are in a different season than we were like five years ago. Some of us are in a different season than we were just two years ago. And we're all in this journey of life. And tonight we're going to be talking about the journey with God and with others because those are the two pretty much categories we're going to find ourselves in. In fact, Jesus said to love God and to love your neighbor as yourself. So we, we're going to go through this life uh, with differences and, and, you know, different perspectives. And the reason why we're here is so that we can see God's perspective, so that we can hear his perspective. Uh, many of you call this your home church. For some of you, this is your first time here on a Wednesday night, so we want to welcome all those who are new tonight. It's going to be the time of your life. That's all I got to say. And then for us who, sorry, the sound guy just probably blared the, sorry, Jamie. Uh, but for us who call this our home church, we've seen God move in so many ways, and we're a testimony of what he has done. And part of why we're here and part of what we get to do here at this church that we call New Hope Church is that we get to watch God move in our lives so that more people can come to know him as Lord and Savior. Heaven is our home. This is not it. We're all going to end up in heaven for those who call upon Jesus as Lord and Savior. So when we contribute to God, when we serve him, when we do what we do here at this church, everything is attached to someone's soul. It's not attending church. It's being the, 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 the foundation that God set us on, which is Jesus Christ. It's being in his community and being the person he made us to be so that others may come to know who he is. So we're going to pray over our tithes and offerings with that in mind, knowing that our giving goes towards the hope that someone would say yes to Jesus either tonight or in the future. We never know. Sometimes our family members are coming to know God and maybe you invite them to church or from something that we do and then next thing you know, they're walking in a relationship with God. So everything we get to do is, is for God. And so if this is your first time, don't think about you know, giving. Just think about God is doing something in you right now. So take tonight as our gift to you. Don't, don't think about, well, I gotta give something. It's not about that. It's really what God wants to do in and through you. When you come to a place of understanding why we give, then by all means, because God loves a cheerful giver, not a confused one. Like if you don't know why we give, don't worry about it. God's not, he's not worried about your finances that are given to him. He's more concerned about your heart. So let's pray. Lord God, thank you for this opportunity that we have to give to you. May everything we give to you be used in such a way that people find you. Our hearts here is to partner together in our attempts to reach our family and friends in the hope that they find you because you are the only hope this world has. There is no hope in this world. It is only in you. So bless the giving, the giver, and this time that we get to spend. In Jesus' name we pray. These are the four ways to give. And some of you have been here for a while, so in the back we have the tithe boxes that you can put the envelopes in. We do not pass out the buckets anymore. And it, that was during COVID. During that time, I mean, you try passing around buckets during COVID. People are like, ah, nah. Just leave the bucket on the ground. But we've gone through some changes, so that, that was one of them. And then these are the four ways to give. For those of you who are online, we have some things uh, available for you that you're going to click on. Uh, some of you use the church app. So, and if you've been doing that, you know how to do that. For those of you who don't, if you need help, um, you can ask myself or any one of our staff members. And if you need more help after that, then 
you got to figure it out because it's, things change quick. But you, you'll get it. it. It's very easy. I haven't spoken on Wednesday night in a while, so I just love being with you guys. It, I, I love being here, uh, seeing you guys. So I'm thankful, I'm thankful that I get to be here. So think about the journey that we have in this life and how God designed us. And when God gave us the Ten Commandments, right? God gave the Ten Commandments to give us some type of governance, some type of direction, something that would help us to know between like right and wrong, as well as to, to give us a, a parameter of how we are to live. But the Ten Commandments also showed us that we're sinners. If you read the Ten Commandments, we broke at least one of them. And like a chain, you break one of those links, you broke the whole chain. Just, it's not going to work. So it is with the Ten Commandments. Well, when the law came in, it just caused mankind to continue in sin. So what God did is he sent his one and only son not to abolish the law, right, but to fulfill it. So Jesus was the only one who could keep all the Ten Commandments. He fulfilled the law. So once he fulfills the law and then goes to the cross, dies for our sins, we can't, because we can't fulfill the law, we can only trust in Christ to be our representative before God because we're lawbreakers, that God is going to count us righteous, not because of what we've done, but because of what Jesus has done in being in complete obedience and dying for our sins so that we could have eternal life with God in heaven. No perfect person uh, is here on this earth, and heaven only accepts perfect people because heaven is a perfect place. So the only way we get there is through the perfect sacrifice of Jesus Christ. So that's why we talk heavily about who Jesus is and that he is the one that saves us. It is not by the things that we do. I mean, think about the things we do. How many good things do we have to do to stand before God to say, I'm in, huh? Hey, you can let me in, right? Because I did, I did good things. I paid my bills. I did everything right. But there's not, there's not enough good that we could do to get into this perfect place. So we find ourselves here on this earth in this imperfect place, each of us in this journey with God and with other people. What Jesus did is he brought the heart of God to fulfill the law. The law in itself was just a bunch of rules to follow, but what Jesus does is he brings in the heart behind it. See, we're all on this journey with God and with others. Some of us are on this weight loss journey. Weight loss journey. I've been on this weight loss journey for like years, years. I don't know what happened. Once you hit like 50, just everything plateaus. I had an acai bowl before I came up, so I feel like super full and a little fat. Like when you eat something, you feel a little like uh, swollen. Some of us call it, I say, I'm swollen. I had a lot of salt. It's like, bro, you had salt for 15 years. <laughs> so it's, but we're all on this journey, right? We, we, we try our very best. The other day I weighed myself and I stood on the scale. I was like, I lost choke weight. I lost so much weight. And I was like, it's got to be broken because I'm not 117 pounds. There's no way I'm 117. And sure enough, the, weight, the, the thing was broken. But we're on this weight loss journey. Some of us are on a health journey, right? We go through different health ailments or we've experienced something in our health because we went to the doctor and the doctor says, hey, you got to change up something because this is where your, uh, your, your blood sugar level is. This is where your cholesterol is. And they name all of these things and then you come home all mad. You're like, see, that's why I never like go doctors. That's why I never like go because I knew they was going to find something wrong. It's like, yeah, that's why you go. 
That's the exact reason why you go. We avoid the doctors because we know something's wrong. But that's part of the journey. Some of us are on a journey of relationships. And that's a difficult thing because relationships, there is no like one, two, three steps for having a great relationship. Like if it was just you and just you and yourself, you can have step one, step two, step three, you can follow that and everything's good. But you put someone else in that equation, now you have a convoluted mess of emotions and thinking and various perspectives. It's called marriage. Marriage has a lot of that. Not my marriage. Your, everybody else's marriage is like weird. But you do. You have all these different perspectives. And then you learn how to live with one another. And that's your journey. You're on a journey with, with school or college. Or you, you do this. I remember, what was the name? It was a, a re- revenge body. Is that what it's called? Like you break up with someone. You're like, oh, oh. Okay, I'm going to have the best looking body to take revenge on you. It's like, what? What does that mean? Like, I'm going to look so good that you're going to be jealous of me. I'm like, okay, I don't know if that's going to work, but hey, whatever works for you. And then you try for six months, you're like, forget it. I'm going to eat spaghetti. It just, it just doesn't work. Try everything. Try, and, and this journey that we're on in this life continues. Finances run another journey. One day, we're giving, we're, 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 one day we're, we're celebrating the birth of a child. But then the next day, we're planning someone's funeral. One day, we're celebrating a marriage. The next, we're counseling someone because they're going through a separation. Like, life is filled with so many different types of journeys. And what God does is he... He comes alongside of us and he allows certain things to happen not because we did something wrong. Again, Jesus already paid the price for the things we've done wrong. So we're not being punished by God. God does not punish us anymore. However, there are consequences to our actions. That's different than punishment. And some of us are we're reaping the consequences of our actions. But what God does, he says, even though you've made some decisions, I will come alongside of you in this life and the journey that you're on because I care. God left the perfect place to this imperfect place so that we could be with him and he could be with us, that he would have compassion on us and walk alongside of us in this journey. I've heard people say, you know, I I feel alone or that's their worst fear that, man, I I fear that I'm going to be alone. And then people would normally say, you're never alone. Jesus is always with you. He's always with you. And you're like, yeah, I know. But I'm still by myself. <laughs> I know God is everywhere, but I'm, I'm sti- I still feel alone. And it's, it's a real feeling. And although both sides are true, that God is always with us, Jesus is always with us, there is still a feeling of loneliness. So there is God in this journey, and there are others in this journey. When Jesus came on this earth, he, he wanted to fulfill what God intended, and that was relationship. And in Matthew chapter 5, verse 17, in fact, if you do have your app, it, the scriptures are in there and, and some notes. Jesus said, don't, don't misunderstand why I have come. I did not come to abolish the law of Moses or the writings of the prophets. No, I came to accomplish 
their purpose. In other words, when God gave us the Ten Commandments, we as flawed creatures could not fulfill the Ten Commandments. Oh, then why did God give us the Ten Commandments if he knew we couldn't fulfill it? That wasn't the purpose of the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments wasn't so that we would be perfected in it. The Ten Commandments showed us that we were imperfect. Have you ever been around someone who thinks they're perfect? Yeah, they need something to let them know that they're not. And with us as human beings, it was the Ten Commandments. That was the purpose of the law. Breaking God's law equals eternal separation from him. We know it as hell because there's no, God's, God's presence is not there. And hell wasn't created for you and I. Hell was created for Satan and the fallen angels. So what was created for us? Heaven. God created heaven for every single one of us. But we choose either heaven or hell. It's a choice. That's why God gave us his son, that whosoever believes in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. That's his promise. But the premise is whoever believes in him. We have nothing to lose by putting our faith in Jesus Christ. Everything to lose, not to. We lose everything. In Galatians 5, and 23, this is what the law could not fulfill. The law could not produce any of the fruit of the Spirit, which is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. That's why it says against such things, there is no law. The law could not produce love and joy and peace and patience. It just, it just does not. The law does not produce patience. Have you driven 35 miles an hour in a 35 mile an hour speed limit zone? It does not produce patience. It's worse. You go behind someone who's driving the speed limit. It's frustrating. So the law does not produce the fruit of the Spirit. The law just shows us what's on the inside. Only the Holy Spirit could produce life to its fullest, which is the fruit of the Spirit, because He lives in us. In Romans chapter 3, verses 19 and 20, it tells us obviously, obviously, which means everybody should see this. The law applies to those to whom it was given for its purpose is to keep people from having excuses and to show that the entire world is guilty before God for no one can ever be made right with God by doing what the law commands the law simply shows us how sinful we are the law shows us how sinful we are and sometimes other people show us how sinful we are they'll let us know and they'll say mean things to us now, some people will try their best. They'll say, I'm just, you know, I'm just being honest with you. Or when they, when they preface what they're about to say with, I can be honest with you. It's like, bro, I hope you're honest with me all the time. <laughs> well, uh, you're just lying to me all this time. <laughs> no, no, I, I can tell you the truth. I hope you're always telling me the truth. But there, the, sometimes the heart is to, to help, but to articulate is difficult. And so they'll say something and it'll, it'll cause an offense or cause hurt. And many times unintentionally. Galatians chapter 2 verse 16 tells us, Yet we know that a person is made right with God by faith in Jesus Christ, not by obeying the law. And we have believed in Christ Jesus so that we might be made right with God because of our faith in Christ, not because we have obeyed the law. 
for no one will ever be made right with God by obeying the law. That's pretty interesting that the Bible would tell us that. But the Bible is literally letting us know that the law is not going to produce life. It's not going to produce something in us. It's just letting us know something. In fact, it's like information. Not saying anything against the Ten Commandments. In fact, Jesus said, no, I didn't abolish it. I came to fulfill it. So only is the laws of God fulfilled when Jesus Christ is in the picture. That's the only way it's fulfilled. And when it comes to the love that Jesus has for us and him fulfilling the law, when we follow him, now we have love and law in the same person. Otherwise, we'll live separated lives. We'll, we'll live life by performance. You know how it is when you, gotta, you have to uh, impress someone so you live a certain way? It's almost like church. We live a certain way in church. When we come to church, we act all good, and then when we go home, everything's different. Right at church, we well behave. We hold hands. We swing hands. It's like, ah, open your Bibles. I have Bible. I have, Bi- I, have, I have Bible. I have my Bible. I got my Bible. But you never open it at home. You put it on the counter to protect from the ghost. That's what we used to do. We put it on the counter like, hey, vampires kind of come. And when we would get scared, we would, we would, we would grab the Bible and I would hold the Bible. But that's, that's, that's the performance side. We're saying, if I can behave in this way, then that means I'm good with God. But God is saying, it, it's about the heart. I'm looking at what's on the inside, not what's happening on the outside. So when Jesus goes to the cross, right, he battles with going to the cross. He prays in the garden that we know of as Gethsemane. And this is on the night where he was going to be betrayed. In fact, when Jesus was betrayed by Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples, after he was arrested, all of his disciples fled. So Jesus goes to the cross. He dies on the cross, which he predicted. And he told his disciples, I'm going to be lifted up. And when the Son of Man is lifted up, God is going to draw all men and women unto me. But then on the third day, I will rise again. They didn't know what he was talking about. It doesn't make sense to them. So he dies on Friday and resurrects on Sunday. And now the rumor is that someone took his body. And the someone are the disciples. That was the rumor. That's, that's the, the, the lie that was given to the Romans and the Roman soldiers. You must say that the disciples stole his body in the middle of the night. Is that what we were supposed to say? That's the story. Yes. But we were guarding it. No, no, no. I know you're guarding it, but you, something like you fell asleep. We don't fall asleep. No, no, no. You fell asleep. And then the disciples came and took his body. It's like, eh, it doesn't make us look good. That's the story. So that's the story till this day. So on that third day, on Sunday, some of the disciples, and maybe not the 12, it doesn't specifically say if it was one of the 12, were walking from Jerusalem to Emmaus. This other, other village, Emmaus. As they're walking, they're sad, they're dejected, they're wondering, like, how is this even possible? He said he was going to do this, this, and this, and now what are we to do? As they're walking, I'll read the scripture found in Luke chapter 24. Two of them were going that very day to a village named Emmaus, which is about seven miles from Jerusalem. That's a long walk. And they were talking with each other about all the things that all the things which had taken place. 
while they were talking and discussing, Jesus himself approached and began traveling with them. So please take note of this, that Jesus himself shows up. But their eyes were prevented from recognizing him. And he said to them, what are these words that you are exchanging with one another as you're walking? And they stood still, looking sad. One of them, named Cleopas, answered and said to him, Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem and unaware of the things which have happened here in these days? And he said to them, what things? It's like Jesus is just probing, like, what, what's bothering you? What's on the inside? Let's, let's find out what's really happening in your hearts. Just, I don't know, because Jesus is not about information. He's about transformation. So he's going to go deep. He's going he's to dig and he's going to grab. So he says, so wait, what things? And they said to him, the things about Jesus, the Nazarene, who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word in the sight of God and all the people, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to the sentence of death and crucified him. But we were hoping. Have you ever lost hope? I thought, man, we were hoping. See, we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. That is weird about this is we, we all want the government to change. We all want the government to rescue us. Change political powers. Change this person. Vote this person. In which I get it. We live in a democracy and we should vote. But that's what they were thinking. Man, if they can only, if he could redeem Israel, everything would be better. Gas prices would come down. Milk wouldn't be that expensive. I could buy cereal again. Indeed, besides all this, it is the third day since these things happened. Three days is a long time for losing hope. Some of you are on three months, three weeks, three years. But also some women among us amazed us. When they were at the tomb early in the morning and did not find his body, they came saying, that they had also seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just exactly as the women also had said. But him they did not see. And he said to them, Oh, foolish men, and slow of heart, to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. And then Jesus says this, Was it not necessary for the Christ to suffer these things and to enter into his glory. Wasn't this necessary? Wasn't this what was always talked about? Wasn't this the prophetic word that was given for hundreds of years? Wasn't this supposed to happen? Then beginning with Moses. Now Moses was the lawgiver. That's what he's known as. Moses and the Ten Commandments. Moses is the one God chose to give the Ten Commandments to where God, where God carved and etched in stone with his own fingers, the Ten Commandments. See, the first iPad God invented, so we think we're good. He, his finger. Sorry, side commercial. So he's explaining from Moses, the lawgiver, that this is, this is where it all began. It didn't just happen in these past three days, guys. This is, this is the history of God, his story. This is God's story. Let me tell you about God's story. So he starts with Moses. And with all the prophets, he explained to them the things concerning himself. 
Jesus explains about himself. Sometimes we get so off focused on things in our life that we forget that everything revolves around Jesus. It's not even my circumstances, what's happening in my workplace, my family, my environment around me, or even the government or the world. It's Jesus himself. Watch how he narrows in the focus. Explain all these things to them concerning himself in all the scriptures. The Bible, written over a time span of 1,400 years, over 40 different authors, 66 books, all pointing to one person, Jesus Christ. You can't fake that. And they approached the village where they were going and he acted as though he were going farther. He's like, okay, I, I see you guys. <laughs> I keep going. But they urged him, saying, well, stay with us, for it's getting toward evening and the day is now nearly over. So he went in to stay with them. When he had reclined at the table with them, he took the bread and blessed it and breaking it. He began giving it to them. Then their eyes were open and they recognized him and he vanished from their sight. They said to one another, were not our hearts burning within us while he was speaking to us on the road while he was explaining the scriptures to us? Were not our hearts burning in just a short conversation, they went from being the most saddened group of people to the most joyful people on the planet where their hearts were burning. Why? Because they were in the presence of Jesus Christ and their eyes were opened. When you are on a journey with Jesus, he will open your eyes. But it has to be the journey with Jesus. It's not about how well we do things. It's not about the rights and wrongs that we do, although that's we're not, what the Bible is not saying is just go do whatever you want. Jesus is on a journey with you. Yeah, he'll forgive you of all your sins, so might as well just do whatever you want. That's called dumb. That's different than we're following Jesus and we're learning from our past and we're changing, being transformed and making mistakes and people praying for us and saying that's right you got this let's do this come on let's pray let's get some help let's get some counseling we can do this and you keep moving forward you keep moving forward you keep asking God for direction we keep gathering together we keep being in community with one another we keep each other uplifted and encouraged because we're in this together God is bringing us together as his church so we walk in this life together I, I illustrated it like this before and, and maybe for some of us, we've seen this before. But we, we sometimes live life in this kind of way where we have these parameters and we say, this is where we cannot pass because once you do that, now you're living a, a life that is outside of the parameters of who you want to be. Like you, you try your very best to live a life that's, I hate to use the word perfect, but we, we try to do that to please God, to please other people, and then, of course, in the world, we climb up what is called like the corporate ladder or you're trying to make a name for yourself. You're trying to do things so that people recognize you so that you can go from the bottom to the top. 
And then when you get to the top, you feel like you've made it. The problem with this is you're saying, well, I, I got to give up more so I can go up more. So now my parameters become smaller and smaller. Now I can't make any mistakes, especially being here at the top. Unless I make a mistake, I'm now, I'm gone. And we've seen this happen before. Where people are at the top, they make one mistake, they're done. But that's the way the world works. And so this is like the law. So what God does, he says, hang on, what if we level the playing field and we turn this into a journey? That it's now, uh, that Jesus is going to come into our lives to fulfill the law of perfection. That Jesus is going to come in and he's going to give us the journey. There's a mountain. You've got to explain just in case. Um, so, and this is a road. And on this road, you're going to have some things on the side that maybe some rocks that you need to avoid. Uh, there is a speed limit. Let's put it at, let's put it at like 65. <laughs> For some of us who like drive fast. So you still have a law. You still have parameters. You still have some boundaries. But Jesus fulfills the law. In other words, he's saying you're going to have a law. You're still going to have it. God's laws, his precepts are sure, making wise the simple. So God's ways are still there. It doesn't, he doesn't abolish the law. He fulfills it by coming into our story. So now he comes into our story, but the problem is we can never live a straight and narrow life. We're going to make mistakes. We're all going to make some kind of mistake. So what happens is we have these little side trails, but we're still on a journey. We're still heading someplace. But now we have these side trails, and on these trails, we have, you know, different things that we encounter. We're going to encounter some, some rocks along there. We're, we're going to stumble. We're going to fall. Maybe you got a, I don't know, what is this over here? Put, um, uh, put a scorpion. <laughs> I don't know, something. It's a stinger. And then, and, and, like, things along the path that, that can sting you and get to you, and, and we mess up. We make mistakes. We make decisions that we thought was wise and then we figured out later unwise because we got bit and now we're poisoned and now we're like sick in bed for a couple of days and we're going to pulse for a little while and now we're trying to recover. I don't know. You have your own story. This is just my made-up journey. You can figure out your own. So we're on this journey together and what Jesus does is he comes into this story. He, just like the, the men on the road to Emmaus, he comes along. He appears and he says, hey, so tell me what's going on. I mean, I messed up. I did this. Okay. So tell me, tell me your story. Well, you know, this happened the other day. I made this decision, and now I'm dealing with this. Okay, let me, let me point to you what, what you may not recognize right now. And Jesus will tell you the story about him being included in it. And he may even start with the scriptures, and he'll lead you to himself. Because the journey that we're on includes Jesus. That's why it's called history. It's his story. We're all in it. It's all up. He's writing it. So we get to be a part of it. And he joins us in his story. It's our journey together with him and with other people. Now, here's the coolest thing. This, is, this blows my mind. 
And this will help when you feel like judging someone else or you feel like someone is judging you or you just want to correct someone. Like, I got to tell them. I got to let them know. I got to let them know. You can do that in love by understanding that this is their own journey. You do not come into someone else's story and start like, I'm going to rewrite this story. Junk your story. What? Yeah, junk your story. You marry the wrong person. Leave them. Like, what? I, huh, what? Yeah, I've been watching you. This is no good. This is no good. Or you, can sit, or you can ask questions like Jesus did. How are you doing? Tell me about your story. Tell me about how you're doing. And then they get to process it with you, but you're not there to tell them what to do. Sometimes they'll ask you, what should I do? You're like, I don't know. Let's go to Jesus. Let's see what Jesus has to say. Because he has a much better wealth of wisdom than you and I could ever conjure up. It's Jesus has the best wisdom. So we go to him and we say, you know what? I don't know. I mean, if you had a red light, which way should I should go? That's different than life-altering decisions. And I don't know. Let's ask Jesus and pray together. Ask him. And if you don't have an answer, wait upon the Lord. Wait upon the Lord. Get into his word because his word is going to let you know what your journey looks like. Now here's a third triangle. So this is love. And love fulfills the law. It's with love that we're able to do this. And then we have God us and others and we always say this the success of every relationship will come out of our relationship with God if you want a successful marriage you have to have God in it if you want a successful relationship with friends you have to have God in it yeah, but what if my friends are non-believers? Good question. The closer we get to God, right? Let's just say you're married. The closer you get to God, guess what happens to the both of you? Yeah, you get closer. Yeah, but what if the person is not a believer? Here's the best part. Tell me God is not pursuing people. God is always pursuing people. He leaves the 99 to look for that one lost sheep, as Jesus put it, as an illustration. He says the shepherd leaves the 99 the sheep are in the pen they're fine he goes looking for that one lost sheep why because they're okay they're being taken care of let's go look for that one lost sheep let's go look for that sheep you ever saw a lost sheep they're everywhere puna wainaku lanakila my house your house they're everywhere lost sheep they're just looking around they're like where's where's everything where's my ipad where's my, where's my phone no more wi-fi no more wi-fi like they're lost sheep are everywhere man they're everywhere so because of that, if God is pursuing them, why not pursue them too? Because the closer we get to them, the closer we are to God too. Because we're saying, God, we're, this, is, this is your mission, God. Your mission is to reach people who are lost. That's why Jesus said, I came to seek and to save that which is lost. Many of us found Christ, but yet we've forgotten what it was like to be lost. And so he says, you go looking for others. So we partner with God so that they can find their journey with the love of God, not the law. It's not saying, okay, now, now you need to do this. No, no. Now let's let God love you. 
Let God love you. Well, what do I have to do? Nothing. Are you serious? Don't I have to do something in order for God to love me? No, he already loved you. Long ago, even before he made the world, God loved you and chose you to be without fault in his eyes. Ephesians 1.4. God loved you before you even knew him. So this journey that we're on with God and with others, we, we can come alongside of other people. We can check in on them. And when they don't change according to the speed that we want them to, we'll be okay. Why? Because we have our own journey to worry about. Tell me God is not like, uh, you telling them to change? I'm waiting for you too. Like just as much as you want them to change, I've been asking you also. But God doesn't condemn us. He still loves us. So what does our journey with God and others look like? I'm going to give you these three things and then we'll be done tonight. The first thing is that the journey starts with his word in our hearts. That's why the book of Hebrews tells us in Hebrews 4.12, for the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword and piercing as far as the division of both joints and marrow, of soul and spirit of both joints and marrow and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. You can put a point one again if people miss that because I jumped right into the scripture. But the journey starts with his word in our hearts. It's not just reading his word. It's literally putting it into our hearts. Like, God, I need, I need your word to be hidden in my heart that I might not sin against thee. I need your word. We call it doing devotions. Or we, we open up his word. We have devotional journals at our resource center that you can pick up. And I, there's different you know, ones that you can get. Some of us use the Bible app uh, called YouVersion. And we can journal that way. We follow a life journal reading plan and we read through the Bible in a year. So there's all kinds of ways to get into the word of God. It's just disciplining ourselves to do so. The second thing is that the journey is about being one with Jesus. That was Jesus' prayer, that we would be one with him. Because being one with Jesus is the ultimate goal for him. He wants us to be with him, which is why he died for our sins. In John chapter 17, I love that John records the prayer of Jesus. And in verse 11, Jesus says, Now I am departing from the world, that they... I am departing from the world. They are staying in this world, which is us. We're staying in this world. But I am coming to you, speaking of his Father. Holy Father, you have given me your name. Now protect them by the power of your name so that they will be united just as we are. So what Jesus was saying is, I'm going for, I'm, I'm, Father God, I'm going to do what you asked me to do. I'm going to die for the sins of all the people of the world, all the sins that would ever exist, past, present, and future, so that they could be one, just as we are one, that they'll be one with us. Talk about the ultimate love sacrifice. You see, God is not concerned about what we've done. He's concerned about where we're going. Like, where are we heading? Are we becoming one with him or one with the world? So the journey starts with his word in our hearts. It's about being one with Jesus. And then the last thing, the journey is for our eyes to see what he sees. 
for our eyes to see what he sees. Have you ever been driving with someone and you say, oh, look at that, look at that, look, look, look at the bird. Heidi does that often. Look at the eagle, oh, I mean, uh, eagle. You know, the, uh, it was Hawaiian hawk, right? Yeah, look at the eagle. I'm like, where is it? She's like, right up there. I'm like, well, my angle and the roof, I cannot, minimal sunroof, cannot see. She's like, oh, it's, it's amazing, it's just, it's soaring. Oh, there's two. She's so excited, and I'm like, mad, because I cannot see. I'm like, well, the video it then. Zoom in, something, I like to see what you're seeing. But her perspective is different than my perspective. Just because I can't see what she sees doesn't mean it's not happening. And so it is with God. His perspective of our life is an amazing one, yet sometimes we can't see it. Doesn't mean it's not happening. Sometimes we're caught up in what we can't see. The Bible tells us we don't walk by sight, we walk by faith. So how do we see what we can't see? It's only through Jesus Christ that we would see what he sees, his perspective. You're, you're, you're listening to what others said about you. That's not what Jesus says about you. Other people will say this. Other people will put you down. Other people will put you in a category and, and put a label on you, a name on you. And, and God is like, that, that's not what I gave you. You are my chosen. You're royal priesthood. You're my child. The world is going to label us. So many different labels. Like we've, we, we can't even label each other anymore because we don't even know the definitions of the labels that we gave the definition of that we were normally keeping just 30 years ago. Now the definition is different, so we cannot use that same definition. So when we call ourselves whatever it is, we don't even know what we're talking about. <laughs> we have no idea. No one can give us a clear definition of the world's way of defining what it cannot define. That's why we stick to God. He clearly defines who we are. You are a chosen generation a royal priesthood like no one can take that away from us you are princes princesses kings and queens of the most high he gave us that as our identity and no one can take that away from you but for some reason we believe everything that everyone else has said romans 8 chapter 1 verse 4 and heva you can come to the keyboard tells us so now there is no condemnation for those who belong to christ jesus very rarely do I do this. But if you are around someone, just tell them that you are not condemned. Just let them know you are not condemned. If you buy yourself, Marissa, tell yourself, I am not condemned. <laughs> just say, I'm not condemned. Just tell them you're not condemned. Now, they might have to, like, condemn. What is that? Then you look them up. That's okay. <laughs> like, I don't know what condemn means. That's a big word. That's a big word. But we're not condemned. We're not left our sins there's no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus actually actually if you don't know Jesus Christ now don't say this but I should have said on after that like wait actually you know you are condemned if you don't belong to Jesus so you're, you're condemned that that would be the second conversation but you got to ask them like hey do you know Jesus and if they say no then you'd be like oh no you're going to hell then you 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 condemned you're con- you're condemned so, <laughs> I, I brought you here, so you can come home with me. You better know Jesus before you get home because if we get into an accident, I know where I'm going. You can burn up. It does say it's a lake of fire. It's hot. So, but there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus and 
because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. The law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. So God did what the law could not do. He sent his only son, his one and only son, his own son, in a body like the bodies we sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. He did this so that the just requirement of the law would be fully satisfied for us who no longer follow our sinful nature, but instead follow the Spirit. It's amazing how God does what he does. We can walk alongside others on their journey. We can do that. For people who are hungering and thirsting for Christ. See, when Jesus comes alongside of us on our journey, and, and, and with others, we can come alongside of others on their journey. Our hearts will burn and our lives will not burn out because we're all in this journey with God and with other people. So thankful that Jesus enters our story to make us a part of his story because we're in it together with him. Would you pray with me? Bow our heads for a moment. Lord God, you have given us a way to be perfected in your sight, and it is only through Jesus Christ, your one and only son. We're, we've gone through different side roads and trails, and many of us are there right now. Maybe we're experiencing things that we've never experienced before, and we're wondering, Lord, how do we, how do we still live in such a way that we walk in this life with you. And, and really, it's, it's the journey that we're on. We all each have our individual journey with you. And so we thank you for coming alongside of us on our journey, in our relationships, our marriages, our friendships, in our finances, with our children, with others at work or at school, or family members, extended family, people that we just met. We're trying our very best, Lord. But you walk alongside of us. You ask us questions. Because you're in it with us. It's our journey with you. And with others, Lord, help us to love people where they're at. Their journey. It's their journey. It's their story with you. We enter their journey not trying to change the story. And although we love people and we want to help and we can't control people, we can't change people, but we can love them as you change them. Lord, if there's anyone here tonight, and, and, and I'll joke in aside, Lord, we don't deserve you. We are all condemned in our sins, if not for you. So if there's anyone here tonight, Lord, that maybe they're thinking, you know, I've, I, I've never, I never knew that Jesus could love me where I'm at. I thought I had to change first. No, he takes us where we are and loves us towards his very best. And when we look back, we'll see change. We'll see transformation. And if that's you and you're saying, I've never given my heart to Jesus, so I don't know what that looks like. I'm gonna say a prayer together with you. And as I lead you and you repeat after me, you include your heart because that's what God is after. 
And here's our prayer. Heavenly Father, even for those of you who are online, Heavenly Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for dying on the cross and rising from the grave to give me a future, a hopeful future. I surrender my life to you. I ask you for forgiveness. And I believe you died on the cross and rose from the grave. I declare that you are my God and I am your child. I pray this in Jesus' name. And Lord, that's our prayer tonight for all of us, Lord, that we're reminded of what you have done, that we're in this journey with you and with others. Help us to continue to love you and to love others so that in the end, the hope is that many will come to know you as Lord and Savior. We pray this in Jesus' precious and holy name, and we all sit together, amen. Can we welcome these into God's community of believers? For those of you who are online also. Now, if you did say yes to Jesus, please let someone know. You can see one of us pastors also. Um, And then we have a yes packet for you. It's actually in the fellowship hall. If you want to get one, we can um, provide one for you. It's a Bible with some reading material that will help. If you're online, you can click that link and it'll, it'll lead you to a place where you can take some next steps, okay? Oh, God is so good. God bless you guys. Have a wonderful night. We'll see you next week.